It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. This is your Estate Planning Essentials podcast and radio program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the honored owner of KWM Radio and co-host of this program, hopefully, assertively seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you every day of the year. And I'm sitting with my co-host, my friend, my attorney. His name is our Dallas Estate Planning expert, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm I'm thrilled. It's Labor Day weekend, basically. We're coming to an end of the summer. Football's in the air. College football basically has started. Pro football is a week away. Um, those things are exciting. Yeah, I, I look forward to that, too. <laughs> I watch the news, and they, they promise, well, they promise, they imply that the heat's going to stop, and it's going to cool down, and let's hope that's happened soon. Uh, yeah, We really so. need that. Um, today, Michael, uh, on this program, we're going to address something that's very important to people because this is arguably the biggest asset they'll ever own, and therefore, we, you want to talk about it because it's nowhere as easy as people might think it is, and that is transferring homes uh, when people pass away and the rules and exceptions that are involved with that. Well, um, and this is really going to be more on um, for people who may eventually or are on long-term care Medicaid. Hmm. Okay. okay, so for Medicaid, why Medicaid? Um, Medicaid helps for uh, long-term care costs, and the great majority of Americans do not have adequate or any long-term care insurance. And their income is insufficient. The average cost of care is certainly over 7000 a month. And I know that I'm going to be incoming chair of a, um, of a nursing home, that a whole, not whole facility, uh, where that average cost is over uh, ten dollars to $11,000 a month a uh, for the nursing care part. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, so the... Um, so Medicaid is real important for many, many uh, who have inadequate um, uh, funds or insurance to pay for care. Now, the good news is that a homestead is a non-countable resource in most situations. Uh, if you're married, there's not even a limit to the equity. Uh, but if you're single, the equity limit presently in 2023 is $688,000. Well, and most people's homes that apply for Medicaid are less than that. So you say, well, okay, my home is doesn't count, so what's the problem? Uh, well, there is a thing called Medicaid estate recovery, where the state has a right to make a claim against the home for reimbursement after death. Mm. So if I transfer the home then you're getting away from, you're basically defrauding the government if you were tried to do that because 
they had a right to make a claim. Right. By the way, this is different than VA rules. So a lot of times for veterans' benefits where somebody is either in assisted living or care at home or in a nursing home, um, for VA, a home also doesn't count in certain situations, although it's a different uh, qualifications. It has to be less than two acres. Uh, there gets into um, some other scenarios uh, that I'm not going to mention right now. But okay. the bottom line is for VA, there is no estate recovery, so you could transfer a home and there would be no penalty. The problem is how. what if it's gone up in value, gets more into a tax issue. And, of course, if you sold the home, then you might lose the VA benefit. Mm. Uh, I didn't talk about on last week's show, uh, I could have mentioned this as another form of irrevocable trust. Uh, we talk, For those who uh, are interested about irrevocable trust, uh, each one of these shows we have a podcast that will be on our website uh, DallasElderLawyer.com, or it's on SoundCloud or iTunes or um, uh, the other one, I forgot what it's called, uh, that's available that you can get. Apple? Or Apple. Okay. Uh, Apple, iTunes, I think it's the okay. same. But it I could is, be okay. whatever, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is you could listen to a podcast if you want to know about irrevocable trust. So we do different types of irrevocable trust on different types of situations. Okay. So one for VA with homes. Um, so you don't lose your, if you sold your home, uh, you don't lose that capital gains tax appreciation, uh, and uh, you don't lose your VA benefit. That was quite a show, one of your yeah. best. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but mm-hmm. whatever it is, I appreciate you liking that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but for Medicaid, because of this estate recovery laws, if you transfer the home, it's subject to a look-back period. Uh, they think you reduced your assets or got rid of this asset on purpose, and so it's subject to a transfer penalty. Mm. They look at the average cost of care, and by the way, we're expecting the new divisor to come out uh, here in September, uh, and they'll determine how much the penalty is. They look at the average cost of a nursing care here in Texas and divide that into the amount of the uncompensated transfer to determine how many months or days of ineligibility for Medicaid there might be. Hmm. But like everything, there's exceptions to every rule. Uh, Of course, you have to look before you leap uh, on some of these things because there are some tax issues as well. Um, So I'm going to go over five different exceptions under the Medicaid rules where it's not considered a transfer penalty. Well, if you're married, well, they look at the assets of both the husband and the wife. So if you transfer the asset, uh, the home, to your spouse, not a problem. Not a problem, at least as far as... Uh, as far as they look back, period, mm-hmm. because they look at the assets of both the husband and the wife. Okay. I say not a problem, but I said kind of with a question mark, because there are a couple other issues. Let's say you had community property and you had a home. Um, well, under the Texas Constitution, a surviving spouse has what's called a life estate. So let's say you've, we, even you have separate property, um, if, if you're married and it was a second marriage, uh, a spouse, even if you just married for a relatively short period of time, uh, the surviving spouse, much maybe to the consternation of the children of the, uh, the, the spouse who died, mm-hmm. has a right to a what's called a life estate, a life estate. I think we did a show a couple years ago about how the kids wanted me to say, okay, this there's a couple that was in their 80s, and um, the wife had all the money, 
And they said, well, if she dies, we want to kick that husband, that 85-year-old husband out of the home as, you know, in two months or something like that. And I said, I'm so sorry, but the Texas Constitution does not permit me to say that in the will. I could say to the extent permitted by law, but I cannot override the Texas Constitution. Well, similarly, a title company, if I did a deed uh, and I wanted to ensure the, I say, a transfer of the property to my spouse in my life, would they insure that and say it was their sole and separate property? A lot of title companies would say no because of the life estate issue. You ha- how do you transfer something when you have a right under the law? You always will have a right under the law. So you have the issue with title companies that uh, might say that they would not give a good title policy on that. Even though under the Medicaid rules, there's no problem of transferring from one spouse to the other. The second thing is, let's say that property had gone way up in value. Let's say you said it was all their sole and separate property. Well, a lot of Texas, there's been a lot of Californians moved to Texas, and the prices of, I'm not saying that's the only reason mm-hmm. uh, why prices of homes have gone up. There's people from all over that have moved to Texas, mm-hmm. uh, and the property values have gone up. So if I transfer to one spouse, remember on the last show we talked about step up in basis. If I make a gift, the donee takes the basis of the donor. Mm-hmm. So if I gave it as a sole and separate property to these whomever, they take my basis, and so there would not be that step up. So it, it fits within the rules, but again, we have to consider tax considerations um, before we, we look before we leap. Sure. Okay, so, so yes, you can. It's an exception to the rules, but you better be careful before you do it. Right. All right, number two. Transfers to a child or under 21, in other words, a minor, although the age majority in Texas is 18, but they do, under our rules, they say it could go up to a child under 21 or to a child who is disabled. Well, in long-term care Medicaid, quite frankly, um, I don't think I've ever had the situation where we transferred to a child. Okay. Uh, And remember, it's a child, not a grandchild. Mm Mm-hmm. But we do have situations where there are people who are disabled. Sure. And, uh, and so that is not uh, unusual. Now, you've got to take into consideration a few other things. Uh, first, um, if the child, the same thing that we talked about before, if I give it to the child, is there a loss of step up in basis if it's highly appreciated? Yes, it doesn't count, but you now the kid, if he ever sells the property, would have this high possible uh, capital gains tax, unless they made it their own home. And then, of course, under, I should say, of course, but uh, if you have a homestead, if you're single, you get up to $250,000 gain without there being a capital gains tax if you've lived there two out of the last five years. And if you're married, you have up to $500,000 gain. So I guess it depends if that person's going to make it their home or not. So you have to look at all the facts. Sure. Uh, And there's another fact that you have to consider if the child is disabled. Are they on are they, let's say, either on SSI, Supplemental Security Income, which is a Medicaid program, mm. or are they on Social Security Disability Income, which is a where you get Medicare? Now, on an SSI, Supplemental Security Income, well, just like if you're on Medicaid, um, the, the home may not count, but if you, this wasn't your home, then it would be a problem because now you'd have too much assets. So you have to look at that and then... 
even if you did, SSI is limited on your income, so how would you afford to take care of the taxes and insurance? Good point. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to mention maintenance or repairs. Okay. Um, now, if the person's on SSDI, Social Security Disability, Social Security Disability, um, that means you, you work for some period of time, and let's say roughly that you had worked uh, 10 out of the last 40 quarters, you became disabled, uh, and you could get Medicare before you're 65. You just became disabled. They don't look at the amount of resources. They just look to see if you could work or not. And if you're disabled, so you could be a multimillionaire and be on Social Security disability and then get Medicare. So if you if that person got the gift, then it's certainly no problem. So sometimes, so the 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 more likely scenario is if we're going to make a gift, is to give to the disabled child who's on Social Security disability as opposed to the one on Supplemental Security income that is a Medicaid program. Okay. All right. So, um, of course, if the person's disabled, too, then you have to look at, uh, and I'm going to get kind of into another revocable trust that I didn't mention in our show before Mm -hmm. um, that we had last week. Um, Sometimes uh, you could have, let's say the person isn't, um, oh, they can't really handle things. Uh, there is a certain type of trust called a sole benefits trust, but it has to be cash. So you'd have to sell the home. It could be an exempt resource, but you'd have to sell it because it, the trust would have to be what's called actuarially sound, where there could be distributions to the kid on Social Security disability. Okay. So uh, we talked, I don't know how many different revocable trusts on last week's show that are on the podcast that you could hear if you're interested, as we mentioned on our website DallasElderLawyer.com, but uh, this is just another type of irrevocable trust. So you have to be careful when you give the home to the disabled child. You're going to have to look at the facts again before you you have to look before you leap. Okay. All right. Number three. Number three. Let's say you have a child who has taken care of you for two years, has lived in your home, and has taken care of you, which prevented institutionalization. So the government says, look, if you've taken care of it so we didn't have to pay, we're going to let you transfer to that child. Now, you have to live in the home. You can't be having your own home. Sure. You're going to have to have a doctor's letter that said, yeah, this person needed to be in a nursing home, but their child took care of them that prevented that institutionalization. Uh, the kid has to live there for a year and have to have take uh, and has to be actually take had to live in the home for a year and prevent an institutionalization for at least two years before that exception uh, would fit in. Uh, the, always the problem, though, just like uh, we talked about before, and just like we talked about on last week's show, we have to look and see what the value of that home is, and if it's going to be that person's home, the kid's home, let's say, because the step up and basis rules. In other words, if I make a gift, the donee takes the basis of the donor. So if I had this home that I bought for 100000 it's now worth 300000 um, If it wasn't my home and I was the disabled child, I mean the child that prevented institutionalization, when I sold that home uh, later on, then I'll have to pay capital gains tax on that $200,000 appreciation. Now, of course, if I made it my own home, um, then I guess then you could say, well, I could get up to a $250,000 gain if I've lived there two out of the last five years, and so there would not be capital gains tax under that scenario. So, again, you have to look at the facts before you look before you leap. So usually the biggest um, stumbling block 
uh, before transferring to that child is the issue of step-up and basis, uh, the staying the same, uh, you know, the, the donee has that carryover basis, the basis that the person who made the gift, in this case parent, made to me. All right. Number four, I guess. I'm going to stop you at number four because we have to talk about your next workshop because we're going to call the next workshop the Look Before You Leap workshop because that's been the theme of so much today in every program, basically. And the workshop allows you to do that. It allows you to look deeper into your situation. Ask Michael uh, to help you with this. They're also called the What Do I Do workshops um, because so much of it is complicated. It changes all the times. And we don't want to play attorney. Trust me, it's too complicated. How Michael knows this stuff blows me away. It probably blows you away, too, as a listener. So all the more reason to attend his next workshop. And that is Saturday, September the 23rd at 10 o'clock in the morning. So no traffic, no issues. It's at the, the intersection, basically, of 75 and 635. So it's in Dallas. It's freeway close, very freeway close. And it's two hours of invaluable workshop time where you get to ask questions and Michael will answer them for you regarding your individual circumstances. Michael? Yeah, we ask people what they want to know. And quite frankly, I don't know that I've ever, there's very few times where I've been asked the questions uh, that we're talking about here today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually it's more about general estate planning or sometimes it's about Medicaid. I've had the question, the one that we just talked about, uh, about transfer uh, to the child within two years before. Mm -hmm. That has been a question. Um, But, um, and there'll be, uh, some of the other questions will be that we're going to talk about later in the show, like on ladybird deeds or transfer on debt deeds, which is another exception that we'll mention. That we've had questions on as well. But mostly we ask people what they want to know, and they may ask about estate planning. Uh, It could be wills or trust or powers of attorney, general stuff. Uh, or it could be on Medicaid issues like that we're talking about here today. We've actually talked about Medicaid and a little bit about VA here. So you never know what people are going to ask. Sometimes they ask about the VA as well. Uh, so we ask people what they want to know, and then we answer those questions over those two hours. There will be a basic presentation as well just to get the basics down, but most of the time is on your questions. And you'll see not only your questions, but the questions of others, and you're going to learn not only what the answers are to your questions, but also those others that may make you think about whatever it is that you may not have thought about before. To attend that two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214 214- 720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Uh, and uh, you'll find, uh, I think, the time will be well worth it because obviously it's free. <laughs> and the other part of it is then the vision meeting. That you yeah, yeah, we get a free one-hour vision meeting to those only to those people who attend the free uh, estate planning essentials workshop. So you get three hours a free estate planning or Medicaid or answering questions about whatever the questions may be regarding planning uh, by going to that free uh, workshop. Um, again, to do that, you just call 214-720-0102. I should also mention, of course, that of course. the besides having donuts and coffee and cold drinks or water, You'll get that free KAAM coffee mug that people have been clamoring about for some time now. 
Uh, they they're waiting for that with you know saying with cough with cup in hand, give me that coffee that they could have that gift that keeps on giving the gift that they could continue to have for a lifetime. We've talked about in certain situations. We've talked about land with life estates. Now we're having a coffee mug that you could keep as long as you want. All finished? All finished. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you get the mug. You get the free estate planning essentials workshop, uh, co- uh, coffee in the mug or soda. They call it soda here in Texas, pop, um, things like that. Of course, donuts and pastries and the like. So attend this next workshop on Saturday, the September 23rd at 10 o'clock. You will not regret it. Pardon the cliche. Uh, another cliche is guilty until proven innocent. Um, I have learned that over the years, thanks to Michael and the programs that we've done, and we've done hundreds, if not thousands of them now, you have to prove yourself many times because of the failures and sins of your predecessors. And I've learned that. And it's disappointing. But the government, I guess, doesn't or can't trust you. So you have to prove it if you're trying to cut corners, save on taxes, and line your pockets. Is that fair, Michael? Well, the... You know, like they have like on this look back period that we're talking about here today, Mm -hmm. it's really an anti-fraud provision. Anti-fraud, okay. So they're saying, look, if we could get to the home after death, then you're defrauding us. Or if we have too much cash for, and you try to get rid of your cash just because, oh, I gave the annual exclusion. I was just doing it for gift tax purposes. Um, They think that since Medicaid is means-tested, they look at your assets, Mm -hmm. that if you got rid of them within five years, you did on purpose to get eligible for their benefits. So there is this presumption of guilt because they they just assume that people are trying to, you know, quite frankly, uh, go, you know, get them to pay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I always say seniors have less rights than terrorists because if you give uh, even to a charity uh, and four years later you have a stroke— uh, you have to prove that you didn't give it to the charity uh, on purpose to reduce your assets. Right. So let's. So in some cases, that you can rebut the presumption by saying, "Look, I always gave to. The, I mean, when you tithe, that's not a problem. Don't worry about that, because mm-hmm. uh, we could show the history of tithing. Right. But let's say you just gave a one-time gift uh, to some charitable organization, and then four years later you had a stroke. Mm-hmm. The, or if I gave the home or whatever, right. I'm going to give to home to the homeless to the homeless or whatever, mm-hmm. and you just decide to give that. Well, they'll look at your situation. Had you already have dementia? Did you already ill in some way where you knew that you were going to probably need care? If so, the presumption of guilt would be guilty probably. But if you had done that gift uh, uh, in with all good intent, you just have to prove that it was – oh, there's a presumption of guilt. Whereas if you're um, a um, – uh, let's say that you had killed people, mm-hmm. the presumption is innocent. Right. I find that fascinating. Even when you sell a home, uh, say you're on Medicaid or something, and you said, well, the government wants to be reimbursed. I mean, that's, that's maybe a euphemism, but they want their money back, and you have to pay them back. And I, I find that fascinating, too. If they want their money back for that, they're definitely going to come after you for other things that they find are shady uh, or fraudulent, as you use the word. Uh, four minutes, Michael. Okay. Let's address these last two issues. Okay. Yeah. So, again, the reason why this is going on is to avoid that Medicaid estate recovery, and that's why these are these exceptions. Okay. So let's say let's say there was uh, three kids, and they inherited uh, a home from a parent. And let's say uh, two of the kids were living together. Well, if they both had an equity interest in the property— 
and they both the other let's say one has to go on Medicaid and has to go into a nursing home. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's Medicaid programs at home as well. Uh, and the other one was still living there, mm-hmm. and they'd lived there for at least a year. You could transfer to the sibling uh, without any penalty. Okay. And the most, maybe the most important one of all that I've left for last, mm-hmm. but didn't give it much time, is either a ladybird deed or a transfer on debt deed. Mm-hmm. This way you have the step up in basis. Remember, a lot of these others, all these others that we've mentioned, you lost that step up. But with a ladybird deed or a transfer on debt deed, there's a difference. I, I probably won't, we'll have to listen to some of the other shows to get the differences. But a deed that you retain control until you die, you could change your mind on either one of these types of deeds. Uh, if you were retain control, in other words, you could sell it or mortgage it or, or even change your mind on who the beneficiary may be, then... And it's going by deed at death, and the state uh, for Medicaid only goes after things that go by your will or by intestacy. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's going by deed at death, it's not going by will or intestacy. That means without a will. Uh, so therefore, uh, it avoids a successful claim for Medicaid. You have control as a home. It didn't cause a resource. Uh, and you preserve the home for whoever your beneficiary may be. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we have the deed go into a trust uh, for various reasons for protection of the beneficiaries, but whatever the case may be, uh, the bottom line is you retain control, so it's not that five-year look-back period, uh, and uh, you still get the over 65 typically or homestead exemptions uh, and you get the step up in basis and you've also avoided probate as well as avoiding Medicaid estate recovery. You don't have to have you don't have to be on Medicaid to have one of these deeds by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, it's just that in our scenario today we're talking about Medicaid so this is the fifth or fifth and sixth if you say both a ladybird deed and a transfer on debt deed mm-hmm. uh, but uh, so, so six different ways actually to Make a transfer for it not to be a penalized event for Medicaid. Excellent. I have a transfer on death. It's right in front of me. I have the whole file full of it to make sure that Sarah gets what I own when I pass away. Uh, and it goes to her with all the benefits, thanks to Michael Cohen. You need his benefits. You need to know the benefits that the te- state of Texas and the country of the United States provide you. The best way to do that is to attend his next workshop so you at least know and are informed as to what you can and can't do. Attend his next workshop Saturday, September the 23rd at 10 o'clock by dialing 214-720-0102 or going to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that estate planning essentials workshop to find out what you need to know today. Michael Cohen, I thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. 
make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.